COVID-19, oh, we need a vaccine at this moment. It means everything. Please wear your mask and stay six feet back. Total shutdown. COVID-19. From the northern shoreline of the United States, it's two middle-aged men in Cleveland, featuring medical technologist Jory Abley. And now, American diplomats, Ken Dworznik and Ted Fox. Hello, everyone. Thanksgiving week, a week that will probably be much different for most people. Ken Dworznik, Ted Klopp, Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland, episode 30. And Ted, we do have Thanksgiving, but the thing that probably makes things different, we have a football team that's 7-3. and three. This is unbelievable. I can't tell you the last time. When was the last time? I guess 2007 or something? I don't know. Yeah. Well, the season of dreams, that was, uh, what, 2010, I want to say? Does that sound right? Something like that. I don't know. So. Too long is the is the, probably the easy answer, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, looking forward to uh, some rest and relaxation. Hold, hold on a minute. Ken, do you what, – what is that? I don't know. What is that? Uh, I, again, these odd noises that – I don't know. We're going to have to talk to the engineers or something. Anyhow, all right. Here in Ohio and Cuyahoga County specifically, we now have a curfew. After 10 o'clock, you can't be out. That's from the governor. And then in Cuyahoga County, we have a stay-at-home advisory suggesting that if you don't have to go out, you shouldn't go out. And discouraging of in-person, a lot of people together for Thanksgiving meals. So... Thanksgiving clearly going to look a lot different this year. Yes, it will. Actually, this year it's just going to be myself and Eowyn. My, uh, just to keep everyone safe, my kids are going to stay um, with their mom. And then we usually go to North Carolina to visit with Eowyn's family. But just because of everything going on and all that, we're just going to stay put. So we have kielbasa for Thanksgiving. And unfortunately, this year, I don't think that's going to happen. But still going to have a meal and get together. Of, uh, just obviously Eowyn and myself, but we'll do... FaceTime and, and things like that. So we'll probably try to do things about as close as we can, but it'll be definitely much different. How about yourselves? Well, we usually go to a cousin's house where there is a ginormous spread and about 25 people gathered around two or three long rectangular tables. And it's just a tremendous meal. And that isn't going to happen this year, obviously. So that's very disappointing. So we'll try to make the best of it. We'll have our uh, Thanksgiving with our boys, and we'll maybe do some Zoom calls and things like that. I did hear, did you hear, I think the city of Akron made a, a ruling that supposedly you can't have more than six people in your home? That is correct. Yeah, I did hear about that last week. So once again, that's going to be tough to enforce, but it's more of an advisory type of situation. But, you know, I, I think part of the reason, and we don't want to hear this, no one wants to be told what to do, but Obviously, numbers are up, and they're just trying to keep the numbers down for many different reasons. And obviously, we just got to do the proper things to keep each other safe. But yeah, some of the information out there is, is certainly, I'm not going to say discouraging, but it, it certainly, it makes things difficult for people to, to certainly celebrate and things like that. Well, I heard that the seven dwarfs were also told that they couldn't congregate in more than a group of six. And, and then I heard one of them was not happy. 
Coming up on the show, a man is facing charges for stealing stuff from a Home Depot, but it's what he was wearing at the time that puts this story in Klopp's clips. A radio station stunt called Turkeys from Heaven takes an unexpected turn. We will explain in This Week in Cleveland History. We have a voicemail to check, and we will talk with Jory Abley and hear his amazing story of survival and recovery. Cleveland! This is for you! Another This Week in Cleveland History, November 25th, 1991. Ted, I know you were alive. What were you doing then in 1991? I was in college. I was at Ashland University. What a great place to be. No (laughs) Eagles. Station officials at WLTF 106.5 get more reaction than they expected when they promote turkeys from heaven stunt, promising to drop wake-up club turkeys on homes. The station flooded with calls from angry people who believe the station intends to drop live turkeys on homes from 1,000 feet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that comes from one of the best shows, WKRB in Cincinnati where they do the turkey drop from like a helicopter. Uh, that, yeah. It's such an outstanding show. If people haven't seen it, you go on YouTube and watch it. It's probably one of the funniest skits I've ever seen involving turkeys where based on the one reporter, he describes the humanity, all the humanity. with All the humanity of it all. It's classic. That's well, classic. apparently the station did not plan to drop turkeys from a thousand feet. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Trying to catch a frozen turkey from that high up. Oh, my God. You'd be put through the cement. Oh, oh my goodness. Wait a minute. Do you? Do you? What? Do, didn't you talk to somebody? Didn't you say, hey, let's take care of these issues? What? What is that? Maybe it's the turkeys from heaven stunt. <laughs> maybe, oh, my gosh. Maybe, maybe it's happening now. They're <laughs> <laughs> attacking. They don't like that story. They're, they're coming after us. The story's getting gobbled oh. up. Well, Ted, that's... I like that. Well done. That's another This Week in Cleveland History. Cleveland! This is for you! Have you heard about Anchor? I'm not talking about the one for a boat. This is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can... Make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. At the tone, please record your message. Again, it's time to check our voicemail. We have a voicemail to go through, so let's get right to it. Here is the voicemail. 
Hi, Ken and Ted. This is Sherry from Lancaster. I'm calling to get your opinion on Baker Mayfield. Even though he hasn't been the greatest lately, do you think he's the Browns quarterback of the future or do you think he needs to go? Thanks. Okay. Well, a couple of things to unpack there. I think, first of all, that's exciting. We have a female listener. <clears throat> and this is, this is from outside the Cleveland area. This is down south. So this is very exciting. So we didn't even pay uh, this person. I didn't even pay him anything. Right. This is great. Right. Right. So what is your thought on Baker Mayfield? I guess two parts. One, he's not the type of quarterback that's going to throw the ball 50 times a game. I think we all know this. I, I think the key to his success is having a very strong running game and having the opportunity to have many different weapons to get the ball to. If you look at the way the Browns have played right now, they have seven wins. You look at all the wins that they've had. I think I could say one game, I'll particularly say against the Bengals, he played extremely well at the end of the game, and I think he's the reason they won. All the other games they've played, if you look at this past week, he didn't turn the ball over. He managed the game very well. He made third down plays. He's not a Joe Burrows type of guy. He's not a Drew Brees type of guy. He's not a Patrick Mahomes type of guy. Is he the best quarterback in the league? No. Is he the worst quarterback in the league? No. Can he manage the game well enough to do something like what Jimmy Garoppolo does when he's healthy for the 49ers? Yes. That's where he's at. And I think in the future, for being a franchise quarterback, do I think he's that? Yeah, I think he's a leader. I think people you know, certainly look to him to make plays and all that. And I think he manages the offense extremely well. Finally, has a coach that makes sense. It makes sense for him. The offense. You got to give the guy a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. Every year, we've had a different offensive coordinator. Finally, a guy who understands what we need to do. We have two really good running backs, a very strong offensive line, which we didn't have last year. Is he a franchise quarterback in a Cleveland Browns uniform? My answer to that is yes. All right. So let me break some things down here for a moment. What's the goal of any football team? The goal of any football team is to do what, Ken? Win games. Win games. Win uh, perhaps one game in particular, the Super Bowl. So if we want to win the Super Bowl, I think it's fair to compare the quarterback that we have to other quarterbacks who have won the Super Bowl. So I'm going to quickly read through the winning quarterbacks in the Super Bowl and – I'll let you know if I think any of them, if Baker Mayfield has the potential to be better than any of them. Because that's the barometer where we really want to look at, is it not? Correct. Okay. So, here we go. We'll start with Super Bowl One. Bart Starr. Then we have Joe Namath, Len Dawson, Johnny Unitas. I'll stop if I think that Baker Mayfield's any better than any of these guys. Now, some of these guys I obviously didn't see play. But Roger Staubach, Bob Greasy. Bob Greasy I didn't really see, but he had Larry Zonka, but... So that's a maybe. Terry Bradshaw, Ken Stabler, Jim Plunkett, Joe Montana, Joe Theismann, Jim McMahon, maybe, Phil Sims, Doug Williams, Jeff Hostetler, maybe, Mark Rippon, Troy Aikman, Steve Young, Brett Favre, John Elway, Kurt Warner, Trent Dilfer. I think you could make a good comparison between Trent Dilfer and Baker Mayfield there. Tom Brady, Brad Johnson. Could probably make a comparison between Brad Johnson and, and Baker Mayfield. Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, 
Joe Flacco, Russell Wilson, Nick Foles, maybe, although he had a heck of a game that, that night, and Patrick Mahomes. So I would suggest to you that there are only a handful of quarterbacks that I would take Baker Mayfield over who have ever won a Super Bowl. So with that in mind, I would call Baker Mayfield an average to above average quarterback. But do I think he's special? Hasn't shown it yet. I mean, let's look at the game on Sunday. They had the ball at the one yard line. He missed the tight end twice. Yeah. Is Tom Brady going to miss that throw twice? No. Russell Wilson, probably not. So do I think he can get better? Probably. Do I think he'll get to the point where he's one of those special quarterbacks that's going to win the Super Bowl for us? If I have to answer that question today, my answer is no. Sure. Do I think it could happen? Maybe. But if you're asking me for a yes-no answer today, my answer is no. Right now, the way he's playing, it's good enough for them to get seven wins. I mean, it's right. a situation, and if they're forced where people continue to stop the run and he's going to have to make plays, we're going to find out real quick. Yeah. If he can, he's the guy or not. When he has to make those third down plays or take the team down the field with less than two minutes left to get a field goal or a touchdown, those are, those are the times when you're, you know, if you have a franchise quarterback, they somehow find a way to make plays. We're going to well, find out real quick. Your window with this team is short. Yep. Why? Because of salary cap. You have yep. to start paying guys. Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, you paid Miles Garrett. You don't have the extra cash because you got to remember Baker Mayfield's on a rookie contract. If you're going to sign him, I mean, he's going to get $100 million. That's probably going to be the going rate for a franchise quarterback. What does that mean? You got to make hard decisions for your team, and you might have to drop some of the talented players that you have just so you can afford them. So we're good. We're, our window is short. We got this and next year. We better figure something out because after that, you got to pay big money. On that note, if you would like to leave us a voicemail, ask a question, you can do what Sherry from Lancaster did. Go to anchor.fm slash 2-M-A-M-I-C-L-E. Link right there. A plus sign and the word message. Click that. Leave us that message. And let us know who you are and where you're calling from and or messaging from. And we will answer your question on an upcoming episode. Alternatively, if you'd rather send us a question on Twitter or Instagram or at 2-A-M-I-C-L-E, we're also on Facebook. Bottom line, send us a message, and we'll answer that question from you on a future episode. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. At the tone, please record your message. Blah, blah, blah. 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 Our guest today is a survivor, and many people would say a living miracle. Almost 12 years ago, he and a friend were in downtown Cleveland when another group of men robbed, assaulted, and shot them both in the head. Jeremy Pekinak died of his wounds, but our guest today survived. Fragments of a bullet are still in his head, but his remarkable recovery continues. We are very happy and honored that our guest today has decided to join us and talk about that road to recovery. Let's talk with Jory Abley. Jory, normally when we welcome folks, we kind of say, hi, how you doing? And it's just kind of a formality. But when I say, how are you doing to you? It really means something. So how are you doing? I'm doing great. 
you know, uh, been really busy with work but, and family and all that, but, you know, it's all good. Well, share with us. Let's go back to February 22nd, 2009. Tell us what you want to share and what you can remember of that evening. It was a birthday party, and uh, Jeremy and I had joined friends of ours for a birthday downtown, and it ended up going to another bar. That's kind of where things started to unravel a bit, and we lost track of him, and then we found him, and then he was lured away by a group of men, and he just started walking, and we were trying to talk him out of it, and started walking, so... I was like, I got to go with him. What ended up happening after that, as you said, you know, he was actually shot twice. I do remember hearing the yelling or the screaming after they shot him, I believe in the shoulder or chest somewhere. And then they shot him again. And that was the fatal shot. They told me to uh, get on my knees. And I don't know, maybe me complying, getting shot where I did, shouldn't have survived. But I mean, if I started running, I would have been shot more than that. So I don't know. After that, it's just you're out. There was a brief hint of me maybe in the ambulance that I can sort of remember and trying to give them my name, but I couldn't speak. And then after that, I kind of remember it was another day before I came out of it and was trying to communicate while I was still intubated, so I couldn't do that. Nobody gave me a chance. The Metro Health had seen the volume of shootings, they've seen it, and they're like, chance of survival is, is slim to none, and told my mom to prepare. I was given my last rites. Yeah, I just kind of remember coming to in a lot of pain and trying to be like, I need something for this pain, but they didn't even know if I was going to live, be able to communicate, be able to see if I was going to even live a normal life. So at that point, I was still... I mean, I was on death's door per se, but when you're on an intubation, you know, it's not like you can talk. The tube is right down your throat. Uh, So I resorted to a few things. I tried Morse code. I know SOS, but um, nobody else seemed to grasp what I was doing. And then I like grabbed my mom's hand, I think, and I tried to draw letters. I was trying to draw SOS or like help or something. And then she brought them in. And then the first thing that I said after being extubated was I need drugs was because the pain my head was felt like it was going to explode because of the swelling that started and the blood pooling there was nowhere for it to really go and so uh, the pressure built up and built up and it got to the point where I was hemorrhaging through my optic nerve into my eyes Mm. and my eyes were bulged out I couldn't see Every single thing that I went through was like a mashup of serious stroke and brain injury victims. Like any symptom you can think of, I had. The pain got so bad that I told them, like, you either have to put me under or you have to let me die. Can you tell us where you were shot and the fragments of the bullet that are still in your are they in your brain or what, what can you- I was shot in the back of the side of my head and that went through the middle and uh, must have hit the other side of my skull. And that's kind of where the bullet rests. I, th- I think some of it might still be in the tissue somewhere. And then it just kind of all 
Yeah, they said as long as the fragments are not causing any issue, then it's safest to leave it because going in after it could actually do more harm. Unbelievable story, Jory. So obviously you had this, I guess you can call it unconscious state you were in for a while. You have the surgery. When is the time that you started to basically kind of think, okay, I might have a chance to get out of this. I'm starting to feel a little bit better. When did that kind of go through your mind? You know, the weird thing about it is I didn't necessarily think I was going to die throughout any of it. Uh, There were some scary times. I mean, even after I was in recovery and everything was going pretty well, I had a neuroangiogram where they take pictures, right? And so when they did this angiogram, they're looking for embolisms or microembolisms, any sort of injury to the vasculature was a huge relief when they're like, no, everything's fine, like vascular wise. But it's also a really cool procedure, by the way. You're awake the whole time. Wow. (laughs) So you're awake while they're poking around in your head. Yeah. All right, so let's move to April 2nd. The incident happens on February 22nd. So two and a half months later, I am working at WTAM. This is one of the last stories that I covered, and I don't mind telling you, this is easily in the nine years that I was there, the most amazing, best story that I covered. So there's going to be a press conference at Metro Health with an update on Jory Abley. So none of us know what to expect. Jory's mom gives this update, and she says, and because of all this, I am so thrilled to introduce you to my amazing son, Jory. And I'm sitting in the back of the room right next to the door. And all of a sudden the door opens and Jory is in a wheelchair and wheeled into the room. And I can remember this collective gasp, you know, oh my gosh, here he is. (laughs) Well, they get him up to the front of the room and with a little help, he stands up and then He talks to us, and this is the first and only time I have ever seen an entire room of reporters who are, everybody was crying. This was unbelievable. Do you remember that press conference? Do you remember talking to us? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Motivation for me to do that was to thank everyone, but also to like put some fear into these guys that are on trial. And I think after that, they all turned on each other and started turning evidence, you know, and flipping on each other. And I actually couldn't read at the time. So all of that was from memory. I remember it quite vividly. And uh, I do remember even seeing like the news afterwards and seeing like an anchor crying television after that. So I was like, wow. I mean, it moved so many people. I mean, you had people coming up to me. I was like a mini celebrity for a bit around town. And if I were to go out, people just want to give you a hug. Do you, do you remember a guy in the back row saying, boy, that guy, that's the best reporter there. Do you remember seeing Do you remember thinking about that at the time? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, like, please, okay. The guy please don't make his head any bigger. Right. We don't uh, th- thanks for playing along, Jory. Please. <laughs> Talk about your recovery from that point on to today. I didn't start work for or going back to work for a long time, but that was a big motivation for me was to just get back to normal life. I had a serious recognition issue called agnosia, 
Uh, I had all sorts of kinds of agnosia, let's just say. Uh, I couldn't recognize common objects. Like if you gave me a key, I couldn't tell you what a key was by looking at it. I had to analyze it, I'd sit there and stare at it, try to figure out what it does. And my vision was very, very bad at the beginning where it was like uh, seeing through a keyhole. It eventually did get better. And the fact that I could see at all, they're like, oh, that's a good sign. Uh, I still can't recognize faces. That's the lingering thing. It's called prosap agnosia. I mean, I can, but I don't associate the face with memory. During my recovery, they kept asking me what day it was. And I was just like, I don't know. And so I just started making up the same day, which is March 9th, which was the day I was supposed to go to a concert. It was a Shinedown concert. I was supposed to go with this girl. So Shinedown heard about this story and they wanted to visit me in the hospital the day that they were in town. And they did and it was great. I was like, wow, the band actually came to see me. I told them the story. I was like, I was meeting a girl. It was like, what's her name? It was like, give me your number. And he called her and he's like, I'm gonna get you backstage. So like, yeah, that was a, did me a solid. This girl that you were interested in at the time, where is this girl today? Yeah, she's my wife. <laughs> oh my yep, God. we ended up. You we got cannot married and, uh, write this stuff. Can <laughs> you can't write it? That no. is too good. My that God. is amazing. Wow, that is unbelievable. All right, Ken. Uh, I don't know that we can top that, but go ahead. No, absolutely not. So I guess my <laughs> final question for you is: This something that you've just kind of pushed to the side and just kind of move forward and really don't think about it? You look forward instead of looking back. And that is good for everybody, really. I mean, the more you're stuck in the past or like how things used to be instead of focusing on how, how you want things to be, then you're just kind of hampering yourself for your life. Yeah, I just tried to look forward and push forward. And mm. so. Very good advice. Well, to live by. let's wrap up. So where are you today as far as your recovery, anything that's lingering and leave you're married with a daughter so just tell us tell us where you are now with regard to life i started work again um right around a year after i uh was shot and didn't look back so that would have been what 2010 is when i started back at work and uh, i think we got engaged in 11 and then we got married in 2012 and we bought a house in 2013 so you know doing the steps in order and then had a kid after that she's born <laughs> in 2016 things are going great uh she's doing really well we're working on reading for her so it, so it sounds like today jory abley is a normal average guy is that fair to yeah. sum it up yeah normal okay. average beer loving well, guy <laughs> if, if <it's, laughs> Well, I, I, it's probably fair to say that if you were to look back at where you were in 2009 and 2010, being a normal, average, everyday guy is probably a, a great spot to be in. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, that was my motivation throughout all of the recovery was just to get back to normal and doing all the things that everybody normally does. That's what I wanted, you know. I wanted I didn't want anybody to treat me different or see me different. And part of that was just not being different. All right. Now we don't want to go into this, but to put a bow on the end of this, you testified at the trial for the people who were who did this to you. Am I correct? 
Yes. Okay. Six men were charged in this crime, subsequently sentenced to at least a total of 155 years in prison, and four of those six could spend their life in prison. So I, I'm glad, uh, you know, looking back, I often thought of you in these last several years. Uh, it was one of the things that I covered last, and I always thought, I wonder what happened to Jory. So for me, this has been really neat to be able to catch up with you, and it's great to see that we could talk about the Browns, we could talk about the Indians and just being dads and things like that. It's, it's great yeah. to see you having a, a regular life, and that's, that's tremendous. Now, I hope you're up for this next question. Are you willing to play game time with us? Sure. The most trusted name in journalism, Klopp's Clips. Ken, here we go with this week's collection of Klopp's Clips, and we'll begin. <laughs> Wait a minute. What is that? Is it happening again? What? Again? How are we supposed to do the show with all this craziness? What are these noises? I, I, is there a door open in here? I don't know. It's got to be this week. My gosh. My, you know, my son's in the other room, but I don't think that's him. No. Anyhow. All right, here we go. We'll try to do Klopp's Clips the best we can. A Florida man is facing grand theft charges after he apparently strapped a downed light pole to the roof of his car on a highway. <laughs> 71-year-old Douglas Hartley was pulled over, driving with the pole nearly twice the length of the car on his roof. He says he wanted to sell it for scrap. Hartley claims he didn't know it was illegal to take the pole, although he has been arrested 48 times since oh 1971. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's, that's about one a year right there. This is a yeah. lot going on. Someone driving with the pole. <laughs> was he drinking? I, I, if he wasn't, times. he probably should have been. 48 times since 1970. Oh, my gosh. That, that is oh, that's a lot. That is just a lot in one story. You throw that off at me, first story like that, I, I can't handle this, Dad. That's too much. Okay. A Starbucks customer got a secret message from the Starbucks barista. The woman shared a photo of her coffee cup online. The handwriting secret message was at the top of the cup with an arrow pointing to the warning label printed at the bottom. However, much of the warning was crossed off. What was left was, careful, you're extremely hot. No word if the customer has responded to the barista yet. I'm telling you, Ted, you've experienced this many a times when you're getting your coffee. I know it's oh, happened to you many time. times. You're extremely yes. hot. Please contact me. I, this is not new information for me. I know you've been dealing with this for a long time. I, yep. I don't have those opportunities, but I know you do. I had to stop going to Starbucks. It happened so frequently. Yep. A boy in China celebrated his 14th birthday by getting certified as the world's tallest teenager from the Guinness Book of World Records. Ren Kiyu stands 7 feet 3 inches tall. He's 14 wow. years old. He's 7 feet 3 inches tall. He says his height actually makes sports like basketball strenuous on his body, but he enjoys reading books and aspires to a career in e-sports. Well, you know, that's something you can't control. Seven feet, three inches at 14. I mean, my, my son is, is 12. 
and uh, he's almost taller than I am already. But uh, yeah, I can only imagine what life would be being seven foot three. Hmm. You can't sleep in a regular bed. Nope. You can't shower in a regular shower. You're like Shaquille O'Neal. That's probably crazy. can't ride in a regular car. No. Toilet use would be tough too. Well, we're getting to the heart of the matter here. A man in Puerto Rico is facing charges of stealing more than 1300 bucks worth of stuff from Home Depot. The kicker, the 46-year-old man named Fernando Ferdencia, is a police officer and apparently committed oh. the crime while in uniform. Oh, Stole boy. 1300 bucks from Home Depot while in his police uniform. He has been suspended from the department. Yep, that's not usually what our uh, our people in blue do. That, this man seems like uh, there's some other things going on. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right, well, I'll uh, continue pondering the difficulties that Ren Kiyu faces as we close out this week's collection of Klopp's Clips. Forecast Roulette with the official, 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 the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Fox 8's Scott Sable. Time to spin the big wheel with the Forecast Roulette. Scott, do you play roulette when you go to casinos or do you go to casinos? Well, I haven't been to a casino in a long time. I'm always kind of scared of it because I, 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 when I walk up there, I want to look like I know what I'm doing. So immediately I'm thinking like, you know, James Bond walks in there and he kind of <laughs> he kind of owns the place. I can kind of stand out, you know, I'm kind of like, uh-huh. kind of like a, like, I don't know, like a tourist in Europe. So like an American tourist in Europe probably stands out a little bit. I would be the guy to stand out and I wouldn't know what I'm doing. And one of these days I'll probably get a plane and I put a tux on, go in there and well, maybe not all that, but no, not really. I haven't done roulette yet. Do you know what kind of drink you would need to order? Oh, I will, of course, get a martini shake and not stirred. But for Thank me, you. you know, maybe that, but I'd probably just go with a scotch. One ice cube, you know, make it look like, I'd probably wear a shirt with cufflinks. Yeah. When you drink it, you, you show off the cufflinks. Well, yeah. That's it. At least that's what I'm told. All right. All right. Very Straight good. tie and a pocket watch as well. That would be neat. <laughs> Ooh, pocket watch. All right. All right, well, who's, sure, sure. who's spinning the wheel this week? Is it Scott's turn? I think I'm spinning. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Okay. All right, go. There it is. Big spin. We should start doing like, you know, having people say big money, no whammies or something like that. Or, no, no, it's trademark. No. We'd be done. Oh, we, oh kick us off. We're never mind. Okay, forget about that. We'll, we'll take that out. All right, well, this one's coming to a stop. Oh, north of the border. Look at this. We have St. Catharines. Ontario, Canada. Hmm. Interesting. Right there on uh, Lake Ontario. Very near, or oh, near, I mean, but it's close to Toronto up there, isn't it? Or around around that general Not area? Too far, yes. I believe so. Yeah, maybe a little, maybe closer to like Niagara Falls, but I believe, isn't St. Catharines the home of Neil Peart, who is the drummer or was the drummer of Rush, if I remember correctly, who passed away earlier in the year. And I'm a big fan, by the way, of Rush. Big, big, nerdy geeky music guy like myself i love i love rush been to a lot of concerts and he was born there so i had a chance to interview not neil because he's very quiet and private uh, when he was a member of the band but the singer and the um, guitar player 
And then what happened was, this was like four or five years ago, they came to Cleveland for something at the Rock Hall, and a, sure enough, a big snowstorm comes. I mean, we got hammered with snow on a Saturday, and I ended up having to go into work that day. And they ended up having the, the segment anyway, and I couldn't go and interview him. But that was my one chance. I had a chance to, to inter- interview Rush or two of the three members. My boss was really upset. He goes, man, I really wanted you to do that. But, you know, we ended up with like eight inches of snow. But anyway, that's how close I was. One of those six degree of separation deals where I almost had a chance to interview the two guys from Rush. However, I do have the email of a guy who runs a website who knows the security guard of one of those guys. So I don't know if that, if that makes me famous or not. Does I think you're in. Yeah, absolutely. Right, that's like good, six good, degrees good, of Kevin good. Bacon. You're good. Well, well if you worry about shortage. being famous, you're, you're on this show. What more do you need? That's, it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. this is prior to being the... Um, okay, uh, okay, uh, I got you. You know, anyway, whatever, whatever my title is here, I'm still waiting for the business cards. That, we'll talk about that. They're, they're uh, in the mail. It's everything. Okay, <laughs> Just like the check. That's right. also in the mail, too. Along with the ballots. So being a huge Rush fan, obviously the one thing that's brought up about Rush is their concerts was amazing. I've had the opportunity to see it. So have you. I can't do it justice like you. Can you describe the concert atmosphere and the type of folks you see at a Rush concert? They're very intense, and they're <laughs> about 95% male. So I don't know if that really, really means anything. They were 99% 20 years ago. It's very intense. My wife went to a concert with me once before, and she could kind of tell that the, you know, everyone was just really intense, just real focused. Everyone's standing up the whole time, but everyone's really into it. But yeah, about 95% males. So if you're looking to um, uh, meet some chicks, that's probably not the place to go. Just want to put that out there for everybody. Dating tips from the meteorologist. There we go. That's another segment. Do you have a forecast for uh, St. Catharines, Ontario? Yeah. In Catharines, Ontario, so they're kind of on the southern, southwestern edge of Lake Ontario. They don't get a lot of lake effects. Sometimes if the winds are just right, they can get a touch of lake effect. But they're looking at hot with some flurries, generally in the upper 30s and lower 40s the next couple of days. Well, thank you for that forecast, and I guess we will uh, rush on out of here. Wow, that's a a dad joke if I ever heard one. What a segue. Thank you. Thank you. Forecast Roulette with the official, 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 the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Fox 8's Scott Sable. Ted Klopp here for Westminster AV, offering custom audio-visual packages for all occasions, including business meetings, weddings, graduations, banquets, and more. So if you're looking to transform an in-person event to virtual, Westminster AV has a variety of solutions for you. Pharmaceutical companies hosting dinner events can find plenty of professional support from Westminster AV. No event too big nor too small. More information can be found by going to westminsteravcom or give them a call 216-325-6960. with game time and we're back with jory abley and we're going to see who can match the most questions with me in our matchup game jory are you are you nervous are you ready you talk about not sweating the small stuff is this small stuff at this point here yeah i suppose it's okay well ken's gonna go away and get in the soundproof booth so he doesn't hear your answer so ken you're out of here 
So, Jory, I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock, and we'll start with your first answer to these questions, and we'll see how many you get through and see how many you match with me, and then we'll see how many Ken matches with me. Are you ready? Okay, yes. All right, here we go. Name a month of the year with 31 days. Uh, September. Okay. Tell me a place you Wait. need to be quiet in. Church. Name a color of the rainbow. Blue. After Thanksgiving, name a meal you might make with the leftover turkey. Hot pie. Besides a hospital, name another place a nurse might get a job. Nursing home. If your car could talk, what advice would it give you? Change my oil. <laughs> okay. We have your answers documented here, Jory. Now, Ken, come out of the soundproof booth. Here we go. I have 30 seconds on the clock again. I'm hoping that Jory smokes you, but uh, that's just me. So we'll it's going to happen. Yep. I don't know. All right. Here we go. We'll start with this timer. We'll start with the first answer you give, Ken. Name a month of the year with 31 days. December. Tell me a place you need to be quiet. Church. Name a color of the rainbow. Yellow. After Thanksgiving, name a meal you would make with the leftover turkey. Uh, turkey soup. Besides a hospital, name another place a nurse might get a job. Um, nursing home. If your car could talk, what advice would it give? Stop driving like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ken, I've documented your answers and Jory's answers. So now we'll go over what I said and see who matched the most answers with me. First question, name a month of the year with 31 days. Jory said September. Oh. Ken said December. I said January. It's probably not nice to point out to a guy like Jory that September only has 30 days, but we won't mention it. I know. <clears throat> it's a good month, though. Yeah. So hey. That's part you know. of it. Better than All the months. That's one of them. That's one of them. Tell me a place you need to be quiet. Jory said church. Ken said church. I said the library. <clears throat> Obviously, I'm the guy who doesn't go to church, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, name a color of the rainbow. Jory said blue. Ken said yellow. I said blue. So Jory is up one Here to nothing. Here we go. Congratulations. You excited, Jory? Yeah. After Thanksgiving, name a meal you make with leftover turkey. Jory said a pot pie. Ken said turkey soup. I said a turkey sandwich. Obviously, I'm not interested in putting in as much time as you guys are. Okay. Uh, well, all right. Besides, you should try it. Okay. Besides a hospital, name another place a nurse might get a job. Jory said a nursing home. Ken said a nursing home. I said a doctor's office. Last, one, last chance to tie, Ken. If your car could talk, what advice would it give you? Jory said... Change my oil. Ken said, don't drive like an idiot. I said, don't speed. 
I think we give our guests the win in this situation. Oh, I think that's all right. Dory, yes. uh, we call it a tie. Oh, we could, all right. Well, what, 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 are we out of dirty socks, Ken? Yeah, we the last winner took the last one. Okay, so well, we'll, we'll, we'll put that down as an IOU for you, Jory. How's that? Sounds good. Let's <laughs> have some Limburger cheese, maybe. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, Jory, thank you so much. Again, we're, we're thrilled to hear that you're doing so well. And you weren't sure if you wanted to do the podcast. I hope that it was not too painful. I hope it was no. what you hoped it would be, being able to share your story a little bit here. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, thank you guys very much. It was nice meeting you for sure. Yeah, all the best. Episode 30, wrapping it up here, Ken. Boy, another fine forecast roulette, another fine bit of Cleveland history, and so many other things. But for me, the highlight of the show, easily getting to hear the story of Jory Abley. And uh, I think it's fitting that we had him on this week, just the day before Thanksgiving, to kind of help you take a look at everything you have and helps you to be thankful if you need that kind of help. Hopefully you don't, but maybe, maybe sometimes we take things for granted and those kind of stories really put things in perspective. That story cannot come at a better time for many different reasons. Everybody's been going through many different things because of COVID and loss of business and all that. And to hear his story of where he was and where he's at now is, is pretty amazing. It's extremely motivating. It's one of those stories that make you get up every day, appreciate what you have, and just keep moving forward. And very, very honored to have him interview with us. I know he's not necessarily talked to a lot of media outlets recently, and he gave us the opportunity to talk to him. It was great. And wish him continued success and just a very nice man. You know, that was exciting for me to be able to get him on because, as I said in the interview, I've often wondered whatever happened to him and to hear how well he's doing, pretty amazing. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And next week on the show, author Don Ake is going to join us. He's got some interesting books out, one that caught our eye that we thought would be interesting. He's from Ohio, and he's got a book called Turkey Terror at My Door, Misadventures and Memoirs of a Middle-Aged Man. I can't think of a better guy to have on the show. Can you, Ken? Nope. That fits our decorum perfectly. I look forward to talking with Don. I imagine he's probably got some great stories. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. So, Ken, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Absolutely, Ted. Happy Thanksgiving. And please don't forget, we're just two middle-aged men from Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV, custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.